Welcome to the Take 6 Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Take 6 Podcast. We're talking Raptors, like I said on last episode. We are very Raptors-focused as they're in the NBA Finals. We're trying to do a podcast after every single game. As always, I'm your host, Hunter Surplus, and to join me on the other line, just like every episode, is my man, Callum Wise. Callum, how are we doing, pal? All things considered, pretty good. You know, nice couple days outside. Nice in Toronto. Not going to yep. think about that game, too. Nope. Nope. There's no need to think about that game, too, Cal. But Except for right now. Except for right now. <laughs> <laughs> except for right now, we're going to think about it. So the Raptors lost game two, as I'm sure everybody knows. The final score of 109 to 104. The Raptors probably should have won that game, I would yep. say. They had a chance, just didn't end up end up doing it. They didn't pull it off. Kawhi had 34 points and 14 rebounds, and the rest of the team, aside from Fred Van Fleet, kind of gave him nothing else to work with, realistically. I just mentioned Fred Van Fleet, Calman, and before we actually get into like the 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 whole game of game two, I gotta ask you a question here. And I, I've been thinking about this, you know, quite a bit yesterday and and quite a bit today. Is Fred Van Fleet outplaying Kyle Lowry right now in these finals? Hmm. I think based off that third game or second game, I think so. Just because he's actually a threat when it comes to scoring and we need that we need that from everybody if we want to beat these guys. And Lowry, he shot four for eleven, thirteen points, one rebound and t- only two assists. That that is where it's like it's a big problem because if Lowry's only getting two assists and Siakam's getting five assists, like something's wrong. Larry should be getting the majority of the assists. He's he has been a great passer, and I don't know. I think I mean he has been playing through that that wrist injury uh, or thumb injury or whatever happened to him, and it's still hurting him. You can tell like when he comes off, he's holding it like he's grimacing. And uh, I saw a picture yesterday when they landed in the uh, wherever Oakland, whatever, Golden State. yeah, Oakland, yeah. yeah. Um, he had like an ice pack on his hand. So I think that he's playing through injury, but like so is everyone else, man. Like Leonard's, like it came out, he's been playing through injury. Siakam up until right now has been playing through injury. Like we think Danny Green was playing with an injury. Like there's a, been a lot of players who've been playing through some stuff, and I think Lowry's no exception because you, you're the leader of this team, and you gotta you gotta show up, especially in the finals against Golden State. If you're getting outperformed by Fred Van Vliet, who before three games ago was the worst player in the playoffs, then something's got to change. Yeah, and like you're totally right in the fact that Fred Van Vliet is a very you know, viable scoring option for this Raptors team, which Kyle Lowry really hasn't been so far in these finals. Like you mentioned last night, he only shot 36%, or like last game he only shot 36%, 13 points, but like, it seemed like a very forced 13 points that, you yeah. know, probably not that it should be given up more, but I think he was forcing a little bit too much. And and Fred Van Fleet is, 
is still putting up big numbers. He had 17 points. He was a plus third. He was a plus three. Sorry, Norm Powell was plus 13. But he was a plus three in 38 minutes, and he had so many minutes because Kyle Lowry did foul out with six minutes to go, roughly in that fourth quarter. And and you know, on top of the offense that Fred Van Fleet is bringing, he is really covering Steph Curry very well. And even down the stretch of that game, he was covering Steph very well, which, you know, without Klay Thompson on the floor there and the Warriors getting out to that big run at the in the third quarter, which we will talk about in just a second, you know, Fred Van Fleet was able to keep us in. And obviously it wasn't just Fred Van Fleet, right? There's a lot of different parts that were able to keep us in the game and, and you know, the, the defense as a whole. But when Van Fleet can guard Steph Curry the way that he has been. I don't know. Like, I hate to say that he's outplaying him, but I might, like, I've been thinking about it, and the more I think about it, the more I kind of ag- agree with it and am starting to think that way. And you mentioned on the last podcast that Kyle Lowry usually has big games after a bad game. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> and I am not positive that it's going to happen again. I hope it does. I hope it does, but I'm not positive it's going to happen in, in Game 3. And this isn't to say that you should start Fred Van Fleet by any means over Kyle Lowry, but maybe get him some more minutes. Maybe attach him to pretty much what Steph Curry is playing because he has given that defensive edge that we need in this series against such a good offensive team. And he is, you know, obviously this isn't really accounting for that Kyle Lowry grit and grind that he always shows and is kind of what the X factor is for him. But Fred Van Fleet has, has, has been doing that as well. Right. Yeah. And so, so, so I mentioned that turning point, that 18 point or 20 point run to start the third. I think that began late in the second quarter as well. Right. And obviously they had a, they had a big run at the end of the second quarter to bring it to within five points the Raptors should have been up by way more than five points. They should have been up by more than 10 points with the way yeah. that the Warriors were playing and the way that the Raptors were playing defensively. I think there were some favorable calls going Golden State's way near the end of that second quarter that probably helped them. Those calls weren't being made in game one. I don't want to blame the refs because the Raptors gave up an 18 to nothing run. But there were some things that weren't being called in game one that were getting called in this game and specifically at that time where the Warriors really needed that extra little push of help that they weren't getting from their big guys. And like I said, there was that 20 to nothing run. And Cal, what did you see out from that 20 to nothing run that really, you know, pushed it into Golden State's favor to keep it going? I don't like... You and me were both sitting there. Obviously, we were extremely pissed off as to what we were watching, man. Like, it's just we could not score. Obviously, defense, like, there wasn't, like, amazing defense on them. But, like, obviously, it's it's Golden State. So you can't defend everything from them because they will score no matter what because it's just who they are. But you just – they our team could not get – any points going in that third quarter and like we couldn't get anything together obviously like you said there's there was some bad calls but you can't blame 
the refs for that portion of the game. It was just really bad basketball by Toronto. And we said this in multiple podcasts. Like, if you let Golden State go, they're going to go and drop 20 on your head. And that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. And then I think the game was just lost from there. I don't think there was any coming back. I, I think... Like, and then we had multiple opportunities to come back. Like, do you remember that the five minutes of nobody scoring? Nobody scoring, dude. Oh, it was horrible. God. That was the worst basketball I think I've ever seen. <laughs> that was actually trash. Well, and, yeah, like, sorry, you, you mentioned the offense in that 20-0 run, like the Raptors offense. To me, and I meant, I said this like probably four or five different times during that stretch, that the Raptors were trying to run with the Warriors even after all of the made shots that the Warriors were hitting, the Raptors were trying to run off of the inbound pass, and they were trying to run and get to get down the floor as fast as they can. But at that point, when you're giving up that many points in a in a run like that, with the Warriors being so good in transition and so good running the ball, to me, you just got to slow that down, and you got to go up and instead of pushing the pace, you got to set the pace yourself slow it down don't let them get in that rhythm where they're just going to come down and run all over you because that's what happened and it allowed the Warriors to run not stopping and slowing down and I think this is where Kawhi Leonard really comes into into play here because he is so good at slowing down the pace and getting to the foul line and getting his shots off and being able to post up and and all this kind of stuff that slows the game down a little bit in your team's favor Kawhi didn't really do that a whole lot to start that third quarter. And he didn't get to the line at all, obviously, because they had no damn points. He didn't get any good shots off, obviously, because they didn't have any any points. But the biggest thing is that he just didn't slow the game down. And no one slowed the game down. And that's also where Kyle Lowry is really good, which he didn't do, is that he just didn't slow the game down during that time. That's what I think would have been the key to them maybe at least stopping the run rather than, you know, letting them get out and letting them get that big lead. Cause it was ugly, man. Like I, I, I don't know if you saw the same thing at all, but that was the biggest thing to me was that they were trying to oh, run yeah. with the warriors, which you can't do ever. Yeah. It's just, it's dumb. Like you said, that's Kyle Lowry's job. He's got to slow the play down, get those open shot attempts that we were so used to. And maybe it turns into a different game. Yeah, and on top of, you know, Kyle Lowry not really having his best games, Pascal Siakam, 5 of 18 from the field. Marcus All, 2 of 7 from the field. Serge Ibaka was all right. He was really good on the boards. But outside of, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who even then he didn't have that great of a game, Danny Green was hitting a few shots here and there. Fred Van Fleet played well. Norm Powell had a pretty good game, but didn't get a whole lot of minutes. It's those type of scenarios, those type of players that have to get in the game. And obviously we saw that career performance from Pascal Siakam shooting 14 of 17 with 32 points in game one. That didn't translate. It really didn't translate. And I don't know if it was because they put more of a, they put more attention towards Siakam and off of Kawhi Leonard, or if it was just, it seemed to me that he just wasn't taking very good shots, right? He just wasn't yeah. taking very good shots. He wasn't getting into his position. He was taking stupid shots. He didn't seem confident shooting the three ball at all. And then there's Marcus All, who I think this is 
coming down to what we have been saying this whole playoffs, he wasn't aggressive. He wasn't aggressive. What do you think that these guys need to do in game three, four, five, six, seven, however long this series goes, to really give the Raptors that advantage where the Warriors kind of don't have it anymore because of their their injuries and all that kind of stuff? I think one of the big things, like you said before, was not trying to run with Golden State, play your own game, because that worked in game one. And I think, like all, like exactly what you said, these guys need to be more confident when they're shooting the ball. Like Gasol, they've got to be more aggressive. Siakam's got to be way more aggressive because it worked in game one to such a huge degree. You got to be aggressive against this team. Like they only got like Draymond, man. Like he's like the only good defender outside of like maybe KD. But even then, like you could definitely just be super aggressive towards him. And we just didn't see that. And I, that is a, just a big thing. As well as Kyle Lowry, just gotta he's gotta just be the leader that he's usually is, and he's gotta run this this team. To a way better degree than game two, because that was just, it was an embarrassing game. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I think Siakam probably was was running a bit too much rather than getting to his spot and getting to, to post up and getting to the line. And, I mean, he was good on the offensive boards. He had three three offensive rebounds, you know, four fouls so maybe that's why he wasn't as aggressive but like I said if if you're shooting the ball at a basically 25 percent clip I don't know if you should be shooting the ball 18 times when there's guys like Danny Green and Fred Van Fleet obviously Fred Van Fleet still put up you know 17 shots I think maybe you give the ball off to some of those guys rather than trying to keep going at it at a head of steam with with guys who are able to defend you and who who have been defending you all game, and I'm not I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen throughout the rest of the series because I think Siakam is going to come back and and play the way that you know not not play the same way in terms of game one, but have a bit of a middle ground, and I think that's going to be the same with all these guys because like I said, Gasol didn't have that great of a game. Danny Green wasn't fantastic. Uh, Kyle Lowry wasn't fantastic, and some of those guys had had pretty good games in in game two, in game one. Sorry, and there's going to be a middle ground that will be reached, presumably, hopefully, by these guys because of you know how bad they were in game two, but how good they were in game one. They showed flashes of of both, and hopefully, they can find a middle ground somewhere there because. If if Siakam even plays half as well as he did in Game One, this might be a win for the Raptors, right? Yeah. Um, another thing I want to talk about is kind of the the Clay Thompson leaving with six minutes to go in the game or in the third quarter, and the Raptors not really being able to capitalize on that. We've mentioned that them kind of them just like missing shots and and not scoring the basketball in their offense, kind of. Not not doing what they should do, but even defensively, they were letting Quinn Cook go at him instead of Clay Thompson, which is never a good thing. And I don't know if that's just 
they they weren't ready and the momentum was already in Golden State's favor. They say he's questionable for game three, which means he's probably going to play knowing Clay Thompson. Does this series change a lot if Clay is out of this game, like out of game three? Man, like I, it definitely should. I think that if we don't win game three handily, then like we're going to be the laughing stock of the NBA. I think like it's going to be bad because they're literally playing without KD, and then it'll be without uh, Clay as well, and Igudala's coming off an injury. Like he, he won't be playing at 100. Uh, percent Kevon Looney is out for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Like they're just playing, they're playing with practically half their squad, and it's like if we don't win Game Three easily, then something's wrong because if Clay and KD come back, I think it'd be just like extremely hard to come from two one down. So I think this Game Three is going to be one of the big. Well, obviously they're all big games, but like they have to win this game by a lot to show that they can play with their full squad. Is Boogie going to be as effective in the rest of the series, or do you think that was kind of just a one-off thing? I think he can go for, like, a double-double because he's just he's such a big body, man. And, like, Gasol, we've seen throughout the series, he through the entire playoffs, that he's just not really there for the boards. He's... Can't jump. <laughs> yeah, and like Boogie, he had a he had a good stat line: eleven points, ten rebounds, six assists, six assists. But he didn't shoot all that well, right? He was thirty eight percent from the field and thirty three percent from three, right? Made all of his free throws. But I mean, I don't know. Like it's hard to tell, right? Like he definitely does not look one hundred percent healthy. And with Kevon Looney not being there for the rest of the rest of the series, they're going to have to give him a lot more minutes than 28 minutes. 28 minutes is a pretty light game for a guy of his caliber and for a guy who's coming back from injury. If they up that to 33-34, I'm not positive his conditioning will, and I said this with Giannis, right, like how he wasn't getting a whole lot of minutes during this season – but I think his conditioning isn't at that point yet where he's able to really get out there and attack and be the guy that he was in game two and translate that throughout the rest of the series because he might not be able to he might not be able to be that guy and play that way. De- DeMarcus probably won't have the same effect throughout the entirety of the series, but game three, especially at Oracle, he'll probably get a big standing oh he'll have the momentum going with him and if clay thompson isn't there then you know it's gonna be even more focused on demarcus cousins and steph curry and draymond green i'm not sure he's gonna be up for it quite yet just because of his conditioning and how he hasn't played really in in such a long time last thing i kind of want to talk about here is how the raptors changed up their defense at some point in the fourth quarter instead of going from you know their usual man-to-man or or zone coverage they used a box and one defense basically to make sure that Steph Curry who is the only (laughs) real threat on that team outside of obviously Quinn Cook out there 
they they tried to not get him going and let him take over like we know that Steph can and it it worked very well in that fourth quarter and like we said that five minute stretch of where the Raptors really just could not get any baskets and and where the Warriors really could not get any baskets that's kind of where it stemmed from and that's where it started I don't know if they are going to go back to it but what do you what did you see from that adjustment that worked really well I mean like like you said they didn't score obviously our offense could have been way better in that stretch it was I'm looking at it right now 6 minutes and 43 seconds without making a field goal that is that is uh not very good but the fact that we also kept it that close until the end was because of our good defense on Steph Curry and the fact that they not, they couldn't make a basket either. Um, the def- if the defense stays like that and we actually score some buckets, man, then that's a that's a game two in our favor. But we just could not get a field goal for some reason. And yeah, 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 I agree. And like the big thing with that with that defense is that it's not going to work if Clay Thompson is out there, right? Because then yeah. you have two guys to focus on and then it goes from a box and one to nothing. It goes from three people standing around to two people trying to guard the big guys. And the thing that really encouraged me about it was obviously they did have that good defensive stretch where they didn't let Golden State score for quite a while. But the big thing is that Nick Nurse is making these in-game adjustments that are working. And we saw it a little bit throughout the regular season, but we also saw a lack of in-game adjustments from Nick Nurse as well. And this is encouraging to me because of the fact that he is able to recognize what's going on, recognize the situation that Golden State is in, and then bring into play the the new way, the new defense to help stop and bring momentum to the to the Raptors. So that's what I like the most about it. I don't know if they can do it again if Clay comes back, if Quinn Cook is having a good game, if obviously if KD comes back they can't do it. If DeMarcus Cousins is playing well, they might be able to, but with those guys out and it just kind of being Steph and then the big guys it's it's viable option. It is a viable option that wouldn't hurt to try at least, maybe to get a little bit different different look at this team. What do you see going into game into game three, Callum, and maybe just the the next two games in Oracle? What are the chances the Raptors can get this game three and and maybe split the the home the the two games in Oracle? Man, like like I said earlier, if we don't win this game, uh, I'm going to be very upset just because they are not playing at all close to their top level because KD will be out, Clay will most likely be out, Looney will be out, Iguodala will be playing on injury, Boogie Cousins won't be playing full minutes. Like, like you said, he'll be playing maybe, like if we stretch it to 30 minutes plus, then he'll be, he'll be poop, but... Yeah, we got to win this game. I believe in the Raptors. I think we'll we'll bounce back because it's not you don't get to the finals by playing like shit. 
we're gonna we're gonna bounce back and we're gonna get this game. I'm gonna say we're gonna win by twelve points. That's a good prediction because I think it has to be a, a big win because a yeah. close a close game in Oracle rarely ever goes in the opposing team's favor. So I'm kind of with you there. I'm not going to I think the Raptors do take it because A, they've been so good coming back from their poor performances and B, one thing that translates no matter where you go is going to be defense. And their defense has been so good. They've held the Warriors to 109 points in both games. As a team as good as the Raptors, you should be able to score more than 109 points. Since they're an Oracle, you know, maybe they get a couple more six-point runs or a couple more momentum swings going in their favor. So that might shift up to, to 112, 115. But the Raptors, we knew that the Raptors were going to have to score a lot of points and stop the Warriors from scoring a lot of points. So... That is where I'm the happiest. And like you said, like the injuries are are there. They've been hit with the injury bug. Clay, this is going to be the game where Clay is not 100% and probably not very close to it. DeMarcus Cousins is getting better, but he's still not at that at that point. Obviously, they don't have KD. Igudala, like the same thing with Clay. He might be getting better. But he's not at that 100% point yet, and this and he went off in game two. And he went off, right? You gotta, you gotta be able to recognize that and attack when you can. And to me, this might be—I know how many times this has been said throughout this playoffs—but this might be the Raptors' biggest game in in their franchise history. Because if they do lose this game, I think it's going to be very, very hard to win Game Four. I think it is going to be very, yeah. very hard to win Game Four. At home, you know, I think game two was a hard one. It was a hard-fought battle for the Warriors to win, obviously. And I think it's going to be the exact same. But when the Warriors are at home, man, it, it's 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 not an easy place to play at, Oracle, especially with this being their last season there. I don't know. I, I think the Raptors are going to pull it off. I think Kyle Lowry's going to have a, a good game. I'm not going to say a great game, but I think Kyle Lowry's going to have a good game, and he's going to perform to the best of his ability. And I think Siakam is going to have a really good game as well. Maybe not really good, but he'll have a good game, a little comeback game, so to say. And Kawhi Leonard's got to be better. I know he put up 20, or not 23, put up 34 in game two. He did have 23 in that game one, but he doesn't, he doesn't look the same. He had three assists, five turnovers. I know there were times in the game when we were watching together where we were just kind of like, what the hell is this guy doing? Why would he make that pass? Why would he dribble into that situation? There's one notable one where they they had him double teamed and he tried to make a really stupid pass. He held on the ball too long and tried to pass out of it and it just didn't work. That's got to tighten up and I think he will do that. He is so smart. He is so good that he will be able to come back from a per- not and. I don't want to say a performance like this as if I'm, you know, saying that it was bad, but it's the NBA finals and you do got to step up just that much more. And he did play really well. He did play well, but they just weren't able to, they weren't able to get the, the, the points that they needed from him in terms of efficiency, right? He, he didn't shoot very efficiently, but that's not to say he, he didn't have a, a good game. 
What do you think from Kawhi coming up this next game? Do you think he's going to be a little bit better? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard to beat 34 points, but like he will, I think he'll definitely make some smarter decisions because like you said, in game two, he made some very questionable decisions uh, when he is like double teamed and all that stuff. Uh, he'll definitely make some smarter passes. He'll, he'll tighten up his game and he'll just have a better, I think everyone will have a better game than they did in game two because the Raptors are a team that, always seem to come back from when they do play bad because they just hate playing poorly. So I think that they'll they'll have a nice a nice well put together game for game three. Who is more important to have that quote unquote comeback game? Is it Siakam or is it Lowry? Oh, man. I'm gonna go with Lowry, man. I think just the fact like during that second half of the game when we would just try to run with Golden State and not slow it down, that's not Siakam's fault. That's that's Lowry. That's on Lowry, man. Like he's the leader of the team. We've said it multiple times. He's got to take charge of every of the play. He's got to slow it down. He's got to make those nice passes that he's used to making for the open looks for for Kawhi, for Siakam, for Danny, for Van Vliet, for all these guys. And I think that's what's what's got to change. Like obviously Siakam has to work on a few things for game three, but I definitely think it's Larry is going to be the, the factor that needs to, to, to show up for game three. I'm with you there. Cause we know how good Lowry, when the rap, when Lowry is good, we know how good the Raptors are. And I think that's going to be the difference between a win and a loss in next game. And you said it last time that whenever Lowry plays well, the Raptors play well. And, and whenever he has a bad game, he is able to come back most of the time. He didn't do it last last game in game two, but hopefully he's able to pick himself up for game three and and get the Raptors a win. So, Cal, I think that's all that I have to say. Is there anything else you want to talk about at all? No, I think we covered it all. Yes, sir. All right. Well, as always, everybody go to Take6.org and find some stuff out there about the Raptors and Blue Jays. Go subscribe and review and rate or whatever you can do on any podcast platform. You can find us there. Just search Take 6. Wherever you're listening right now, just search Take 6. Give us a subscription. Give us a review. It helps us out a ton. Follow us on Twitter at take underscore six and follow us on Instagram at take six podcast. Everybody go Raptors.